Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. Good morning, church. I just feel the Holy Spirit in this place, and and I'm so glad to be with each of you. Um, This has been a little bit of a mushy week for me, especially the latter part of the week, because I was preparing this sermon on parenting and children. It's uh, something that's very dear to me, and uh, I am going to start with a a little story, but uh, before we do that, let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful as we get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. Most of all, you, our Heavenly Father your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who helps us to grow in Christ's likeness. Lord, as we get ready for these holidays, we know that we're going to be around uh, friends and family. Some of us have complicated histories with our friends and family, and Lord, um, that makes this subject matter a little tougher for some people than others. And I just pray, God, that today you would open our hearts and our minds, not to what I have to say, but what you have to say through me from your word. I pray, God, that you would help us all to reflect Uh, not only on ourselves and our relationships with our family members, but also our relationship with you. And Lord, I just uh, pray that you open our hearts and minds to everything you have to tell us, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I like this microphone because it makes my voice sound a little deeper for some reason. (laughs) Something I was not always accustomed to. Anyway, my name's Jeff Bankins. I'm one of the elders here at Sell Street. I'm not always in this room on Sunday morning because about half the time I'm helping in children's ministry and I kind of oversee children and family ministries at our church. I work hand in hand with Emily Contreras. She's right there on the third row. Do you like that? There she is. There we go. She does a great job. And you know, we have a, a hard working list of volunteers that help us in children's church nursery, Sunday school on a weekly basis, and we're very thankful for them. And if you're in here and you're one of those volunteers, we appreciate you very much, and we just want to tell you that. And parents, make sure you, uh, you tell them that also, whenever you have the opportunity. Okay, so one of the reasons I was asked to preach this, obviously, is because I help uh, oversee the children's ministry, and that's something that's not just dear to my heart, but Emily's and all of our hardworking volunteers that we spoke about a moment ago. And we're very passionate about helping you equip not only yourselves, but your children with the tools and discipling they need to, God willing, make uh, Jesus their Lord and Savior, have a relationship with him uh, as they get older. If you ever have questions on any of those subject matters, just come find me. My number's on the website, and there's a lot of people here that have my uh, cell phone as well. Okay, so if you've heard me preach... Uh, any amount of time here, you know that uh, things in my house growing up were a little rough, to say the least, and uh, things were not always great between me and my father. Uh, and for many, many years, there was lots of animosity and hatred and all that, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit uh, later. But there's this one time. There's always this one time, right? This one time that I was so proud to be my dad's son. It happened in high school, which for me was a long time ago. The deal was we had a small family ranch and it was more of a fun side project and I say fun in quotations because it was a lot of hard work. Uh, We had cows, sheep, uh, show animals for 4-H or uh, FFA people. We had that too. 
And anyway, there was a guy that was taking care of all that, but for one reason or another that I won't get into right now, he quickly left town. Guess who was stuck taking care of a lot of that stuff? This guy. And, uh, well, it sounds better now than it did then. But I will tell you, there were 20 to 30 pregnant ewes, and that's a female lamb or sheep, if you don't know what a ewe is. Uh, They were pregnant, their feet had not been taken care of, and they needed to be looked at at least twice a day. And remember, I lived in Westlake at the time. These sheep were on a small ranch between Sulphur and De Quincey. Going there and back was about a 40-minute commute, plus at least 30 minutes to take care of them. And I had to do that before and after school. So how do you think my tardy record was for my first class of the day? Not good. Not good. But who was proud of me for taking on that responsibility? My dad, the big guy, right? He was very proud of me. So I was happy to do it. He gave me that responsibility. But the other responsibility in my life at the time was to Westlake High School, and I was late over and over and over for that first class. Do you know what happens when you're late over and over and over? You have to go to Saturday detention. That means you spend all Saturday with a teacher, principal, or other administrator, and you have to work with other kids who also had the same problem to clean up around the school and do various things like that. Well, I was not a big fan of that because I was already working a lot before and after school as well as uh, some other things I was doing. Guess who else was not very happy about that Saturday detention? My dad, yeah, because he was proud of his son taking on that responsibility. And who is this principal that I happened to go to high school with a long time ago to put you in Saturday detention, son? So needless to say, my dad went to the school. I didn't ask him to. He told the principal, who I said he went to high school with, told him what he thought about all that, and for that moment, I was like that. So proud to be my dad's son. And even almost 27, 28 years later, I have to say, I still get proud talking about it because this is not a fake smile. So that's a true story, and it was the proudest I've ever been of my dad, um, and he was my hero. And uh, we've already opened in prayer which I I thought it was probably wise to go in reverse order. I didn't want to start with that story before praying. Anyway, let's go to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And while we turn there, I want you parents to think of a time you've been very proud. Children, think of a time you've been very proud of your parents. It doesn't have to be like my story, but just something that makes you beam with pride. And not the the false pride, not the bad pride, but the kind that makes you glad to be part of that family. Okay? Okay, so let's get to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. All right. Children. We have any children in here today? Yeah, glad y'all are here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In these particular verses, Paul is speaking to believers, believing children, and believing parents. And obeying while honoring your parents is one of the best ways that you can honor God and do what's right. It's also an echo of number five out of the Ten Commandments. This commandment carries a general rule with it. Excuse me, I have trouble saying a few words. Just roll with me. Whenever you do honor and obey your parents, you're more likely than a person that does not 
to have a longer, positive life. So what we're saying is, this is not a set-in-stone thing, but it's a general rule for most people in most situations. Parents, raise children in a manner that's pleasing to God. Do not become a good reason for them to be angry at you or God. Because if you do that, you're dishonoring the Lord, and you're also dishonoring His image-bearer, which is not only yourself, but your children. And while this is applicable to both parents, Paul addresses fathers because the way God set up things, the household is supposed to have a mother and a father, and so the primary leader of the household is the father. And we know that there are people in different situations with mixed households, single-parent homes, and you know what? We're here for you, and we're not disparaging you. We're not putting you down. We're just saying this is why God addressed fathers because that's how it's supposed to be. And while that's not always the case, the church is here to help you along uh, with raising your children, whether you have mother and father in home or not. Amen? Amen. All right, so God's intent, like I said, is for dad or husband to be the spiritual head of the household. And if you want to listen to a great message on uh, godly marriage, uh, the role of husband and wife, my friend Paul Pettifer preached a great sermon last week. And I'm not just saying that because he's in here. He did a great job. And you can find that on our app or on our Facebook Live page. Uh, and I would recommend that you listen to that if you were not here last week. And if you feel the need, just listen to it again. Amen? All right, so this is a continuation of Ephesians 5, which we have talked about the last couple of weeks. And just to give a brief recap, Christians are told to submit one to another. Wives are told to submit to husbands. And all of this is a picture of the church submitting to Christ while Christ is the one who sacrificially loves the church. Remember, he gave his life for us. That's something that we've seen in the last few weeks in the Evangicube presentation. And it's something we should always keep at the forefront of our minds. The reason we're here is because of our Lord and Savior's sacrifice for us. Amen? All right, so it sounds straightforward when you go through these four verses. They're not very long. So how could we possibly spend an entire sermon on this subject when it's talking about kids and parents and their relationships? Well, just in case you didn't know, you and I, as both children and parents, we're fallen, we're fallible, and as you'll be reminded of in a week or four days, very complicated. And if that weren't true, Paul would not have included this in his letter that was written nearly 2,000 years ago. But just as it was applicable to that audience, it's also applicable to us today. There's something else to think of uh, when you're looking at the cultural background of this. Back then, uh, Roman citizens that were men of adult age were pretty much the people with the most clout, the most authority. Everybody else fell under their foot, whether it be children or uh, wives, slaves, what have you. Uh, so Paul is reminding them that children are a heritage. Children are a blessing from God. And just like us, they're image bearers. Amen? All right, so keep that in mind as you read through this. And also, just in case you didn't know, the reason we're being told how to be good parents or godly parents, how to be godly children, is because our natural inclination is sin and defiance. Disobedience does not have to be taught, but obedience and honor and all of those things do have to be drilled into us. And we should all continually strive to grow in our Christ-likeness. Uh, whether we're good parents, children, or not. Because um, 
That's something we can all continually grow in and strive for. And listen, if you don't have kids, or if you can't have kids, or if your kids are grown up, don't tune me out, because this message is for every believer. Otherwise, it would not have been included in the Scripture. We don't raise kids by ourselves, and when I say we, I mean parents. We're all the church. We're all God's children. We're all the body of Christ, and we're in this together. Some of the people with the greatest impact in my life, and I have probably talked about this before in other sermons I've preached. I know I've talked about it in the men's conference we had about five years ago. Some of the greatest people that have impacted me were not my father or my mother, although I have a great father and mother. Some of the people with the greatest impact in my life were not even related to me. They were men that God sent to my life that mentored me, and by God's grace, I was able to take advantage of that, Uh, not because I'm so great, but because... God worked it out on my behalf, in spite of myself. And so, in the same manner, this church is full of teens, children, young adults that need you to help mentor them, point them in the right direction, and help them grow in maturity and Christ-likeness. Romans 12, 5. Okay. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Like I said earlier, it takes all of us to make the church, right? We're many parts, we're diverse, and marital status and abundance or lack of children has no bearing on your status in God's kingdom. It also has no bearing on your status in this local church. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 1 of Ephesians 6. And y'all can just put all four verses up there, it's fine. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So the first instruction from Paul is for children to be obedient to parents. Obedience is willing submission, not just in your actions, but also in your heart. And uh, you and I know obedience is not always our first inclination or our first reaction when we're being told something that we really may not agree with at the time. But guess what? That's what God expects of us. Because that's how he set things up. So what does that mean for children? Obedience takes work, practice, patience, and prayer. And parents, for you to properly get that honor and that obedience, guess what it takes on your part? The same thing. Work, practice, patience, prayer. This instruction does not apply to children in abusive situations or those who have unbelieving parents when their instructions would cause you to sin against the Lord. In those very particular cases, then uh, obeying God trumps what your parents' wishes would be. And if you happen to be in one of those special cases, which we we pray that's not your situation, but we know that is something that's just part of uh, being in this world sometimes. We have some great people here that would love to help you uh, work through those situations, so please come find any of your leaders. And we will either help you ourselves or put you with someone that is an expert, okay? And please keep that in mind. All right, so let's look at verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. As I said earlier, this is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And this promise isn't set in stone, but it's more general rule of thumb. But I can tell you this. When you honor your mother and father, whether they're believers or not, your life is going to be much more, uh, much more blessed, much 
less filled with animosity, anger, and so forth. And I, I kind of alluded to that earlier, but I'll, I'll share some more of my story. There was a time when, gosh, I was, I was a young adult, so I wasn't even a teenager. I wasn't really living with my father at the time, but because of all the different circumstances uh, that started when I was very young up until that time, I was full of animosity and anger and hatred, bitterness and vile. Do you think I was very good to be around? No. Well, guess what? Remember I told you that sometimes God sends people in our life that are not our parents to help us. People like many of you are going to be in the lives of our children. Well, one of those men specifically came up to me, and I don't remember if he actually grabbed me by the shoulders, but the way he talked to me got my attention in such a way that he grabbed, it was like he grabbed me by the shoulders, and I listened. He told me something to this effect. You have to quit talking about your dad like that. You have to quit spewing all this stuff out because it's not good for him, it's not good for you, it's not good for anybody. Well, I didn't like hearing that, but you know what? That man was exactly right. He told me exactly what I needed to be told. And guess what? It took a process of many years, but I worked really hard with the help of counseling and talking to wise men like him and others. Lots of prayer, as I said earlier. And guess what? There was a day when I went to an event, and I remember seeing my dad come in that room, and guess what? That feeling of anger, animosity, hatred, all that, it was gone. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. Because uh, even though I still struggle with things like anxiety and all that, um, for a long time I didn't think I did anymore because I had such a relief from that moment even till today. Because I was able to let go of all that anger and hatred. And it was all because, guess what? I followed what the scriptures say. I found a way to honor mother and father, regardless of how they had treated me. And I suggest you do the same. And I'm here to tell you that, I've, I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating in this sermon. Uh, things with my dad are great now. We get along well. He's not into the stuff he used to be in, thank God. And uh, I'm going to see him sometime this week for Thanksgiving. And uh, I praise God that he healed our relationship. And if you have a similar situation with uh, one of your children or one of your parents or anybody else that you're close to, I, I pray that God would bring that same healing to you because it is a wonderful thing. <clears throat> All right, let's look at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, or even mothers, what's the quickest way for your child to learn bad behavior? Notice I said learn. Who do they learn it from? Mom and dad, right? Well, I have a particular story, and if you know the names of these persons I'm going to talk about, please keep that to yourself, okay? But anyway, my grandmother used to tell me a story about a mom who was in a very busy store. Uh, it would have been a uh, long time ago. Anyway, busy department store. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, her pre little precious boy lets out this very bad word that neither you or I or anybody else should ever say in any circumstance. It was horrible. He did not learn that from his mother. She was very surprised, to say the least, and she was mortified. Probably scared a little because there were people around that could have heard whatever it was he said, which I will not tell you. Anyway, needless to say, they run out to the car. Discipline is meted out effectively and quickly. And then after the discipline, it is thoroughly told to the boy, look, you are never, ever to say that again. Guess what the boy said? I, I, I'm not, but, but what are we going to do about my dad? 
Because that's who he learned it from. He heard that word from his dad. So guess what? If you know who that is, again, please don't say the names. But uh, in the same way that children pick up those bad behaviors from parents sometimes, that's the best way for them to pick up on how to be honoring, how to be obedient, how to be Christ-like, is because when children are around you or other believers, they're going to model their behavior after yours because you're so close together and because they look up to you as mom and dad. And so guess what? Not only do you have to teach honor and obedience to your children, you need to model it to them by the interaction you have between you and your spouse. So husband, if you honor your wife in public but you put her down in private, that's not good. You need to repent of that. That is not God-honoring. And ladies, if you tear down your husband to your friends or to your kids or to anyone else, again, that's not God-honoring. You need to repent of that. And I'm not fussing at you. I'm just telling you what the Scripture says. And I can tell you from my own experience that when you get rid of all that stuff, you follow what the Lord says, your life is going to be a lot less complicated, a lot more peaceful. And what better to have before Thanksgiving than a more peaceful home? Amen? So if that strikes a chord with you, I just suggest that you repent, repent and pray. And uh, if you need to talk, we're going to be here. Uh, but I would pray that your home life uh, would be changed by the power and influence of God if it needs to be. And if it doesn't, that is another thing to be very thankful for because many people are in the situation I just described to you. And uh, if you're not, then you need to be very thankful for that. All right, so how else does the Scripture instruct children in obedience to parents and to God? Well, there's lots of stuff we could cover, but right now I'm going to read a couple of things from Proverbs. We're going to go through Proverbs 1, verses 8 through 9, and Proverbs 23, 22. Okay. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And then Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. All right, so Christian teens and young adults who may still live at home, I just want to give you some advice. Heed your parents' advice. Heed the advice of those mentors and people you look up to that God has placed in your life. Oftentimes, whether you believe it or not, they've been there, they've done that. And one of the great things about benefiting, listening to the advice of older people, is that you don't have to go through what they did in order to get the wisdom that they have, you can take it from them and not have to experience those things yourself. And that's a great thing. Christian parents, now please be age appropriate, something my wife worries about sometimes when I have discussions with my son, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Christian parents, share your wisdom, your failings, your shortcomings with your children in an age appropriate manner, especially as they get into the teenage and young adult years. Who better from your children to learn from than you? You're the person that they're closest to, or the persons they're closest to, and that they look up to. And um, if you will do that, you will be giving them tools that they can use to help them grow up into godly adulthood. All right, so what does the Scripture have to say to parents? Let's look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. Now, just before this is the Shema, but uh, this is a, a quite, a, quite a long verse or scripture rather, uh, I'm going to hit the highlights. This is Moses instructing the children of Israel how to pass on godliness to their children. 
And while we're not Israelites, and we have more than the books of the law that the children of Israel had back then, this still applies to us today. He says to the parents, teach the words of God diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, find them as a sign on your hands, as frontlets between your eyes. Write the words of God on your doorposts and on your gates. And what Moses is saying here is, at every opportunity, do whatever you can to talk about God, the Scripture, the things of God, and how He's changed your life. Because you can't force your children to become Christians, but if you model Christian behavior, they're more likely to take that on because... If they see how God has changed mom and dad, one day it's going to click with them. Hey, I need God to change me too. Okay? So parents discuss God, the scripture, and the things of God every time you have an opportunity. And look, we're not talking about every waking moment, but in every waking moment, be aware of opportunities that you can use to talk about God or the scripture or the things of God. And guess what? If this is something that you struggle with and you haven't done much of, or you're not consistent and your children are getting a little bigger, guess what? You could start right now because consistency is king. And as long as there's breath in your lungs and theirs, it's never too late to start. All right, now let's talk about those without children and see what the Scripture has to say to them as far as being mentors to others. We're going to look at Titus chapter 2. Again, I'm going to hit some of the highlights because it's such a long uh, text. Now, Paul is instructing Titus, who is an elder over a large number of churches on the island of Crete. He's telling Titus, this is how you need to talk to the parents and leaders, uh, mentor-level people at your different churches. He instructs Titus to tell them to teach what accords with sound doctrine, and look, when it says older men and women, it means more experienced people. It doesn't necessarily have to be the elderly. It's just someone with more experience being a mentor to a younger man or woman. And that would include the children and teens and young adults in this church. You can mentor them at whatever age you are if God puts you in that position. And if you're in that position, Paul says to teach what accords with sound doctrine. The older men need to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and in love and in steadfastness. Likewise, the older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to wine. They are to teach what is good, to train younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure. This says working at home or you have a job elsewhere, you need to be a model of hard work and good behavior to those other women or men that are around you. Also, the women need to be kind, submissive to their own husbands. Again, if you need to know more about that, just listen to last week's sermon. It was great. And do that because God may not be reviled if you do those things. So guess what? Parents, when you're not being a godly parent, you know who that reflects poorly on to your children? To our Heavenly Father. So guess what? That's another reason for you to model good behavior. Not because uh, we're walking around with a checklist, but because every moment, everything you do reflects on God and the relationship with God that you have. 
And it also points your children to him, whether that be for good or bad. Same thing for those that uh, are being mentors to our children and young adults. Also, urge the younger men to be self-controlled and show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, show integrity and dignity and sound speech, and do these things so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. And what this is telling us is that in everything we do, we need to remember there are people watching us. Maybe it is children in the church. Maybe it's people in our own family. Maybe it's those that we're working around. But in every way, in every moment, we reflect on our God. And if we want to uh, give people the right picture about him, we don't just have to say the right words. We need to model the right behavior. And so Titus is saying that we, the church body, need each other. Just as a body is made up of many parts, so is the church. Parents, we need other parents to help us become better parents to our children. And those of you who don't have kids, we need you also because you have some great wisdom uh, that we can glean from you because you're also a fellow believer. Also, those of you who have uh, children that are grown or maybe you have grandchildren, you also have a lot to offer to us because you've already been where we're about to go to or where we're at in this moment. And lastly, on this at least, since parents and children don't know everything about everything, and God is aware of that, he puts people like you in our lives to help us, right? And I can tell you there are some great brothers and sisters in Christ in this church who not only are great parents, but they love to help and model that to other people. And uh, we just want to encourage you to get to know one another better so that we can uh, all grow in Christ-likeness as parents, as children, etc., um, on a regular basis. So how do we apply this to our lives? Following the biblical model of parenting may cause you to reprioritize your life, your hobbies, or even the way you do business. But do whatever it takes to be a godly parent. No matter how many riches or accolades you accumulate one day, the moths are going to eat all that. It's going to all go away. But when you're a believer, you model Christ-likeness, and there are more believers in the family that you leave behind when you leave this earth. That is something that will live on in eternity because you'll be able to see the generations of believers that came through the church and became part of the body of Christ, at least in part due to your faithfulness. And so that's, that's more important than anything else uh, in this life. And your kids are watching your every word and action. Just like they pick up bad habits from you, they can also pick up good things from you. And I encourage you to do that. Model a life of discipline and devotion in a consistent matter, uh, manner, I mean. Uh, also, this is something I, I like to always share. We all know that we fall short of the glory of God. Not only is that an Evangelicube verse that we've been covering the last few weeks, but it's true. And so part of your Christ-like behavior is since we're not perfect like Christ, we're going to fail, we're going to fall short, we're going to sin against one another. So you need to show grace, forgiveness, and repentance to one another. And that needs to be something that is, becomes a hallmark of your house if it's not already. That's going to go a long way with your children and family. Talk about God all the time and everywhere. Be creative. Don't be afraid to ask some of us for help or suggestions. And if you have some great suggestions, hey, we're all ears. Worship with your kids. This can be in the morning in your commute to school. Uh, if you're a, a one who schools at home, there's plenty of opportunities you could take to worship the Lord together. Uh, you, 
You can also learn to read and study the Bible together as a family. Uh, we're here to help, so please use us as a resource. And when I say us, I mean uh, Emily, myself, our spouses, and, and many of the other leaders in this church. We all would love to help you uh, grow in that way. And if you believe God is tugging at your heart to get involved, uh, we're always looking for volunteers in Kidsville, and I know Tom would love to have some more help in youth, right? Yeah, he said, yeah, even though you didn't hear him, he shook his head, yeah. And he works in our student ministry, does a great job there. So also be aware of these resources. And we have more that we're working on, but this is what we have available right now. Wednesday nights, we have a meal together. We also have families worshiping together and youth service. Uh, Every week, if you don't know how to uh, start studying the scripture together, Emily puts out a high-quality Bible study that has to do with the scripture we have preached the previous Sunday, and it's broken out into five or six days so that you have something to study every day of the week with your family. It takes anywhere from five to 15 minutes, and it's a great resource. Uh, We also have a subscription to Right Now Media. It's kind of like Netflix for uh, Bible study of all ages, and we can get you those credentials. I believe you can talk to Justin about that. We have Sunday school classes full of like-minded people that want to help. And uh, lastly, I'll, I'll do this before I close, and y'all, y'all can come up. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's easy to feel like it's too late. But please don't quit. Don't give up. We have many people that are passionate about encouraging you and your children in growing in Christ-likeness and being discipled. So don't let this day pass without seeking out the help of your church family. The most important thing a parent can do is lead their child to Jesus Christ. And so as I get ready to pray, I'm going to ask that you would also work hard and rest in peace and grace. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak to the children and parents in this room. And I just pray, God, that you would use the words spoken through me to help us all grow in Christ's likeness, whether it be as a parent, a child, or a mentor. Um, Lord, we also just pray for those that... uh, maybe having a tough time because of uh, sickness, death, or or other issues uh, in the family uh, during this holiday time. And just pray that you would help us all to love one another, grow in community, and be your ambassadors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.